Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Thank you very much for making us a part of it. We have a busy, jam-packed show, as we always do, but particularly on Mondays for you. Gordon, how are you doing over there? I'm doing well, thank you very much, Jake. Appreciate it. How, you? Uh, I'm fine. How'd the, how'd the weekend go? You doing all right? Yeah. Had a good weekend, and uh, yeah, no complaints about anything, and as I always say, I'm pretty good at finding something to complain about. So you are. So if I if I can't find anything to complain about, I must be doing all right. That's good news. All yeah. right. Well, I'm glad to hear it. We want to say a big thanks to our title sponsor, Mountain America Credit Union. Get 0% interest on all purchases through May of 2020 with a new Mountain America credit card. For details, visit macu.com or call 1-800-748-4302. Yeah. What do you, what do you have over there? This is soda. Sorry. A DC? Mm-hmm. A DDP? Yeah. It's a, yeah. Just a little refreshment. <laughs> is it 5%? <laughs> Did you just open a beer? Is no. that what it's, are you celebrating, uh, are you celebrating no. heavy beer in the grocery store now? No. I tasted beer once in high school, hated it, never drank it. Wait, what, what's the lie here? Yeah, you never drank I, it again? Or, or that yeah, he I, actually I, drank beer in high school? I took one sip and uh, hated it and never tried it again. Never went back to it, huh? No, I guess it's an acquired taste. That's what they said. Uh, uh, I suppose. Uh, but all right, we have a lot to do. We'll talk uh, Utah Jazz basketball, um, the college football weekend that was. What a what a impactful weekend on the future for college football. We'll get into all of that. Uh, busy guest list for you. Chris Mannix, NBA Daily Assist, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Christian Cox at 4.30. Uh, Kristen Kenny of AT&T Sportsnet, top of the 5 o'clock hour. And at 5.30, Tanner Mangum will be on the show. So, I mean, as usual on Mondays, Gordon, uh, no shortages of storylines that we need to get into. Yeah, and uh, there's one in particular that we have to hit with the Jazz, and I'm sure the guys have been talking about it all day long, but it's uh, it's uh, it's bugging me. Oh, it's bugging you? It's bugging me. Okay. And it's I know it's bugging Quinn Snyder. So uh, one aspect of the game that we definitely have to get to. Oh, I have thoughts coming out my ears yeah, I know on, you the, do. on the Jazz. There's, I know you do. there's so much going on. Yeah. I, I mean— yeah, I've got thoughts coming out of my ears for that, too. So we should we get to it? Yeah, let's, we let's get, down get to right business? at All it. Right. right at it. Time for the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 
on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hit it. And The Zone Sports Network. Utah bringing pressure. Easton throws an interception. Jalen Johnson down the sideline. All the way. Touchdown, Utah. And just like that, the Utes within two late in the third quarter. Play action. Huntley rolling. Looking to run. He's in. Touchdown, Utah. And the Utes have their first lead of the day. The kid is just such a warrior, Joe. Jacob Eason in trouble and sacked. Bradley Anai, the 25th of his wonderful Utah career. It's up there for me. You know, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at him, but uh, it's it's up there. It's, it's it was very very satisfying, especially in the circumstances. You know, coming up to their place, they're coming off a bye, and what are they 900 and 0 after a bye? Coach Peterson, so now they're 901, I guess after that. But just to battle and battle and battle and never relent and never give in and just find a way. It was great. Big win for the University of Utah in Seattle over Washington, 33-28. Combine that with Oregon drubbing USC in the game immediately following, 56-24. And Gordon, the Utes are back in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 South. They are, and they deserve to be there. They deserve to be there. I know that you've been saying all year that Washington isn't that good, but they have some talented players on that team. And the Utes to go up there and do something they haven't done in a long time, that is win a game against that particular program on its home field. I was impressed by what I saw, especially the way it happened. For the Utes to fall behind the way they did and to weather the mistakes they made, those turnovers were could have been really hurtful to them. And that defense slammed the door, and Tyler Huntley is a freaking stud. I wrote about him over the weekend, and uh, I believe every word of what I wrote. This kid has – think about his improvement in his time at Utah. And, yeah, Andy Ludwig deserves a lot of credit for that, but he deserves the credit for turning himself into a real quarterback, a quarterback that can lead his team to victory, and that's exactly what he did, Jake. It was – count me impressed. Well, it's what his team uh, team needed, and it was a gritty performance because he obviously was not 100% yeah. And, yeah. and pretty far from it. And for him to put his foot in the ground and deliver some throws in the fourth quarter was, was no doubt impressive. He is your Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week, and deservedly so. Um, he, he got it done any way he had to. And, in fact, on those critical plays where they needed a couple of yards, they ran that speed option. And he he made it happen, even though you could tell he was hurting. Um, I didn't. I don't know if you noticed in the first quarter that play where that brace he had on his leg came flying off, and I thought, oh, this is not a good sign. Well, of, you could tell he was hampered. He was, and yes. and to still have that performance is is amazing. Yeah. I mean, he he deserves so much credit. I'm glad he's getting it. Uh, I'm glad he's getting it from the league. But here's here's my thoughts, Gordon. I th- I think a couple of years ago Utah would have lost that game. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking the game in the rain here at Rice Eccles Stadium when Arizona was here with Kadeem Carey and basically the Pac-12 South was on the line. It was November and the Utes just got it. It, it started off bad and then it just unraveled from there and was a, a dump trucking by the Wildcats. I thought in this game. It was on its way to doing the same thing because much like the USC game, the line couldn't block anybody, 
and on defense, Eason was was picking them apart with bigger athletic uh, athletic receivers. And yeah. I thought, well, well, there's the blueprint. And then lo and behold, Coach Witt on the sidelines, and you heard Bruce Feldman uh, report on it if you were watching the TV broadcast. He reshuffled the deck with the offensive line. He put guys like Nick Ford out on the edge with the right tackle who were more comfortable in those positions, fixed what was the problem, and then Tyler Huntley went to work. When yeah. he had an opportunity to do it, he stepped up and got it done. I thought I thought that adjustment was the biggest deal of the game. Great coaching and then great job from the players, like Witt said, to never quit and, and go out there and win the game. But, you know, usually we don't see in-game adjustments like that in college football, certainly not on the fly. And and I th- that kind of victory is more impressive to me than winning forty to nothing. I would agree. You know, because to to change the whole momentum of that game, this team is playing on its home field, going up against the Utes, and fired up. And like I said, they have some good athletes. They may have some coordination problems. Uh, as uh, you heard Kyle Whittingham talk about it there, Chris Peterson had an extra week to comp- to prepare for this, and the Utes weathered that storm, and they came back. And now, Ute fans, you are in a luxurious spot now to be able to believe that even when your team gets off to a bad start, it can come back. And a lot of it has to do with the leadership on the field. They certainly have it on the defensive side of the ball and they have it on the offensive side as well. Going back to Tyler Huntley, those passes, he only missed on one pass in the second half. It's pretty amazing. And, and it wasn't like these were little teeny little five-yard throws. No, he made some big plays I in mean, there, no doubt. I mean, 41-yarder, the 28-yarder, and what, was it 18-yarder or something like that? Those were huge plays for the Utes to keep drives alive and to be able to score. And then that play, when he ran in that touchdown— that you talk about guts, man. That took guts for him to do that. It did. He's hurting. His knees hurting. He's compromised, and yet he charged in, and he knew he was going to get popped. He knew he was going to get hit hard, and he was. And he scored that touchdown. And next thing you know, the Utes have the lead, and they went from there. So, yeah, I mean, this team. I know Oregon is getting an awful lot of praise nationally right now, but I think the Utes are every bit as good. I do. I, I think they have a great shot at winning the Pac-12. I at very least think that that would be one heck of a game because Oregon's defense is is really good. I know they gave up 24 to USC, but Oregon's defense is really good, and Justin Herbert is, I think, is is as good as advertised, and they've got a great O-line. And then you, you turn it over where, where Utah, if they play like they did against Washington, uh, specifically in the second half, they don't have a whole lot of holes. Well, they, There's they, not they, a whole lot of weakness there. They've the number there, one so. rush defense in the country. They're, uh, the Utes are giving up 56 yards a game on the ground. That is remarkable. Pretty good. I mean, if, if your opponent can't run the football, you're in trouble. And I understand. I mean, I get it. Uh, USC, uh, I, I can't explain to you what happened in that game at the Coliseum other than what you already said, those physical receivers. Uh, the Utes had those many of those routes covered, but the receivers went and got the ball, and they the, the Utes lost that game. I get it. But... I'm telling you right now, if those two teams were to play again, I would put my money on the Utes. I'm not a gambler. I'd put my money on the Utes, and I I think I'd put my money on the Utes against Oregon. And here's one of the reasons why. What did USC do against the Ducks? It kept shooting itself in the foot. And the Utes don't do that. They do on occasion, like the two fumbles. But 
Generally, they don't do that. They don't make silly mistakes. That absolutely doomed the Trojans in that game against the Ducks. And, of course, from there, you could just see the USC sag and the Ducks roll forward. One thing is for sure, that if you think the Pac-12 is down a little bit this year, that championship game is going to be something not to miss. Because those two teams, if those are the two teams that get in, that's going to be an awful lot of fun to watch. Now, Utah has to finish out their schedule, and of course they have uh, they have UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado. But UCLA is probably the most dangerous of those games, and, and Utah's got a week to prepare for them, and they're coming into Rice-Eccles Stadium. Two of the three at home. So uh, UCLA just beat Colorado this week 31-14, to and at times they've shown capability. Uh, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been pretty effective with his legs, not necessarily throwing the ball, but at least enough that they can run Chip Kelly's offense. But are 4-2 in league. That's amazing to me. It is. They started. But Arizona just got buried by the Mighty Beavs, 56-38, to <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's, not, uh, that's not looking too good. And like I mentioned, the Colorado just lost to UCLA, and they're 1-5 in, in Pac-12 play. So Utah should be significant favorites in those three games. I would expect them to win all three UCLA being probably the most dangerous of the three. I, I would, would agree think. with that. The only way the Utes can lose moving forward is if they take their eyes off the ball. If right. They, if they are not, if they don't prepare properly, if they if they are uh, just assuming victory, we can sit here and talk about all we want that the Utes are going to win those games, but the Utes themselves can't. Obviously, they have to take every opponent uh, very seriously, and that was really the key to the other two Utah teams that I think are, are, are the, the best teams I've ever seen. These are the three best teams I've ever seen at Utah, 2004-2008 and this particular team. And if from this point on the Utes do what they need to do and they properly prepare, they will win those games. And if they win out, uh, it's going to be a team to celebrate for sure. All right, Gordon, let's get to stop number two of the split story of the day, and let's get to the uh, to the Aggies and the Cougars because we want to get to a little jazz at 3.30. So, Austin, go for it. Here's that option they've run very well. Hall is in! It's a run for Hall. Dodging and scoring! Oh, my goodness. Did you see him finish that run? He ran over Shelton. Intercepted! Kavika for Newell right into his waiting Love with time. It is intercepted. His second pick, Peyton Wilgar, the freshman. Once is a mistake, twice is a trend, three times is a problem. Pressure from the corner, and they screen it. Katoa with Bushman up in front. Katoa, a stiff arm. Katoa inside the five. Third down and goal. Katoa. That's a couple times BYU has thundered through a Utah State tackler for a score on the ground tonight. One more interception. Bo Tanner down the sideline. Tanner to the 19. And the wheel goes on a rolling to Provo. 42-14. Well, Gordon, uh, BYU smashed Utah State, and I know the wheels were wobbling with the Aggies a little bit coming into this game, but that that is not the outcome I anticipated. BYU 
just ran over the Aggies. They sure did. And uh, BYU's defense in the past has struggled against the run, limiting the Aggies to 127 rushing yards. They did what they had to do in order. And the offense, I mean, the offense, that's showing well, they have 418 passing yards in that game, Jake, between the two quarterbacks. Pretty amazing considering that's your second and third string quarterback. Uh, what would you do if you were Jaron Hall? What would you do? What do you mean? Because head injuries. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I'd mess with it, man. The guy's a talented baseball player. He's a good athlete. How many concussions do you want to suffer? Yeah, I don't know. That, I mean, that that's such the, the difficult part, the, the personal nature of that all, because you're putting a lot on the line. I mean, I remember having these conversations about Austin Collie when he went to the NFL, remember, yeah. and had all those concussions uh, because he would just get tattooed because he was Peyton Manning's over-the-middle target. It's like, I know you're making big money and you love football, but at what point is it is it not worth it anymore? And that's 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 just so hard. Well, he played great. He did. I mean, he played really, really well. And then and then he gets hurt. We all saw that play at the end of the first half uh, when he got hit helmet to helmet. How did they miss that call? By the way, I don't know. That I mean, that was that was uh, fairly significant, and obviously was significant for him. And what do the Cougars do? They wish him well, and they bring in Romney, and uh, it's almost like they didn't skip a beat. They just kept on churning. Nothing the Aggies could do. Uh, you see David uh, Woodward go down for the Aggies. He's out for the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's, that that's, is that's just, not helpful for them. No, and he is so good, and you just you just feel for a guy like that. And I, I chatted with Scotty a little bit during the break for their show to ask uh, him his thoughts on, on the Aggies. And, of course, you get his thoughts from noon to 3 every day here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. But it was interesting to talk to him because Jordan Love, you know, 394 yards. Gordon, he threw the ball 49 times, of course, because they're playing from behind. But he had three picks, yeah. and it's just – I just want wonder if the offense isn't working with what what he's best at, if it's guys around him, how much the offensive line had to do. And, and the kind of the gist I got from Scotty was really all of the above. Jordan's not playing well. The offensive line is not playing well. And there is some, you know, him being uncomfortable in the in the new offense. So it's just a perfect storm of 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 toughness for or of, of bad circumstance for that guy. How much do you think he misses David Yost? I would guess a lot, but I mean, is that fair? I mean, because he and Yost had had such a had such a connection. I mean, they they were just of the of like mind. Uh, I remember when when Yost came on with Austin and Tony and made a joke about how he doesn't really do anything. It's all Jordan Love out there, you know. It it they they were a good tandem, and you know Mike Stanford Jr. comes in and he's just different. Yeah, you know, he's different. And those inter- a couple of those interceptions that Jordan threw, I don't know what he was looking at. Because the interceptor was right there, and well, he, he didn't see him, and he's pressing too, right? Yeah. I mean, the, there's there's some pressure. He knows that that focus is on him, and he doesn't have as much talent around him this year as yeah, last that's year. Clear. That's I, clear. I don't think anybody would would argue that. So you know, what does he do? He he takes it all on himself, and he's he's trying too much. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'd agree with that. But, man, he throws a sweet ball. He absolutely does. I mean, and this, you can see, I thought somebody put it perfectly. I can't remember who I heard it or read it from. They said when he throws, first of all, it's like one second you watch him play and you think that guy will be playing in the NFL. And then the next second he does something and you go, oh, wait, maybe not. But when he throws the ball, man, it, 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 it's so easy. 
uh, and he throws a sweet, tight spiral. And I can see why, regardless of the outcome of these games and regardless of the interceptions, that guy is going to intrigue an NFL team somewhere, for sure. I'd be shocked if he weren't drafted. I think he's still going to be drafted because he's got all the intangibles. And there's coaches out there that think, you know, I just get him under my wing and I can yeah. correct that sort of thing because he does throw a great ball and he is six four and he does have, you know, all those things going for him. And we and we have seen it before. We have seen the production and and how good he can be. So he'll get drafted on that. I mean, the question is, he probably he's going to slip down a little bit. Probably won't have the guaranteed money he might have had if he he had a really good year this year. But I'm with you. I still anticipate he being uh, he being drafted. But then, of course, it begs the question, Gordon. We've we've all seen it on Twitter after this, as soon as the game. You know. Well, this is now BYU beating uh, beating two out of their three rivals. You know, Boise followed by Utah State win. Are you on uh, hashtag extend Kalani or hashtag don't extend Kalani? Well, I was on the record uh, uh, for that before any of this happened. I wrote a column about it, and you and I have talked about it, and I, th- I think he should be extended. I think he's the right man for the job. There are some things that could be done better down there, but – Kalani is the man, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, I didn't need to see that game to think it. I think coaches learn lessons along the way. Um, the, you know, head coaches. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's talked about this publicly before. Not not for a while, but he he talked about this throughout his first few years. How think much he learned. Mis- think about the mistakes he made and and the the games that the youth right. lost. Yeah, he, I mean. You learn, like with any job, I mean, I think you and I learn uh, on a daily basis. And so I I think Kalani learned a big lesson this year um, facing this adversity with those losses to, to Toledo and South Florida. I think he, I think things got a little desperate down there. And I think uh, guys were, you know, focused and he had to change some things and he had to give some other players some opportunities. He had to bench some guys. I mean, some stuff. And he weathered some injuries. And he weathered some injuries. Absolutely. I mean, my gosh, they're down to their third string quarterback going into Boise. Hello. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a walk-on quarterback, and to put him in a position, and that whole staff deserves credit, by the way, but put him in a position to go out there and succeed. And, and Jaron Hall is a completely different player than Barry, Baylor Romney. And to go back and forth to those guys, I mean, the, that's not easy. So I, I think I think Kalani is a better coach coming through this year, even with those tough losses, because I do. I, I think he had to— I think they had to have some real honest conversations down there. Yeah, and a after, lot of people responded and deserve a lot of credit. After that second year when, when the wheels did spin off, uh, Kalani learned a lot that year. They say you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. Absolutely. Well, he had a lost season, and he learned a lot from that. It was better last year and this year. Now— the Cougars are 4-4. Four and four. They won some games we didn't think they were going to win, and they lost some games we didn't think they were going to lose. But now, if they don't win the next three games, then something's wrong. You know, I mean, they, they'll be 7-4 and four going into that San Diego State game, and they could end up 8-4, and four, which is better than I thought they were going to be this which year. Which would be 100% a good season. 100%. And maybe two of those four losses came from places that you didn't anticipate, but 8-4 and four with that schedule pretty darn good. I didn't expect them to beat SC. I'm not sure. Tennessee was kind of one of those things, well, it could happen because that program was down at that time. I did not expect them to lose to Toledo and certainly not USF. Certainly didn't expect them to beat Boise. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and maybe we were way off on Utah State, but I didn't expect them to beat Utah State. I don't yeah. think you did either. No. I Well, I wasn't sure before 
I thought Utah State playing on its home field would be very would be formidable. But after I saw what happened against Air Force, then I started. Wait, all bets are off now. This Aggies team is 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 compromised to some extent. Want to remind you about our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save Diamond Airport Parking. We're talking Utah Jazz basketball coming up next. Don't forget Chris Mannix, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Christian Cox at 4.30. Christian Kenny at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And Tanner Mangum at 5.30. We're very busy on the big show today. Stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Frank Dolce, our Utah insider. I came into that game very cautious because of the record against Coach Peterson because I thought that leaving a young defense for Washington was improving over the course of the year. And it was going to be, and maybe is, the best offensive line that Utah has faced this year. In all of those phases, Utah won. These last three games, it should be a dominating effort for Utah. The only way Utah stumbles is if Utah stumbles. I just don't think there's anybody on the rest of the schedule that can manage what Utah is doing right now. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Mitchell, 24 points, 9 of 17 shooting. Drives, off balance, left side, pull up, jumper, hit it. Donovan with a little hop, skip and a jump, coming back the other way. He's got 26. Y Leonard, driving, kicks to the corner. Jermichael Green is wide open, misses. Nobody's inside for the rebound. As Montrez Harrell lays it up and in with a bunch of guys watching. Tied at 72. Conley, high pick and roll, drives to the window, trying to draw a foul, throws up a prayer, no call. Leonard to the front court. Leonard for three. Good. Timeout, Quinn Snyder. The Jazz now down by six. And the Jazz lose to the Clippers. 105-94 on a night where Clippers outscore the Jazz by scoring 40 fourth quarter points tonight. And that was really the difference. Band of the day today, Credence Clearwater Revival, selected by me and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Welcome back. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Not a great weekend for the Jazz. Gordon, they lose by one to the Kings on Friday. And then lose a game to the Clippers, 105-94 last night. A game they certainly could have won. And there's a ton of a ton of storylines to go with uh, for this game. But there is one in particular that is stuck in your craw. Yes, indeed. When I was in Los Angeles, I saw an L.A. Laker, and I couldn't tell who it was. But I saw L.A. Laker driving a Porsche, and the license plate back then, this was many years ago, said, said, one, said one word, rebound. One word, rebound. 
The Jazz lost the last two games because they didn't rebound. That last play against the Kings that Bogdanovich gave up by not blocking out cost the Jazz that game. That one play, and I know people always say, hey, it's not just that play. That play cost them the game. He lost his man, did not block him out. The offensive rebound was there, and the Jazz lose. Same thing last night with the Clippers. You cannot play basketball like that. You have to rebound. You have to be, put the effort in because that's what it takes to rebound. I mean, Pat Riley, well, his famous quote, no rebounds, no rings, right? I got some other quotes here. Let me read these. Dennis Rodman said, I'm, hungry, I'm hungrier than those other guys out there. Every rebound is a personal challenge. Stan Van Gundy said, if you defend, rebound, and limit turnovers, you're going to put yourself in a position where you can win games. Listen to this from Pat Riley. I found this fascinating. We measure areas of performance that are often ignored. Jumping in pursuit of every rebound, even if you don't get it. Swatting at every pass. Diving for loose balls. Letting someone smash into you in order to draw the foul. These effort stats are also stored on computer. Effort is what ultimately separates journeyman players from impact players. Knowing how well a player executes all these little things is the key to unlocking career best performances. It goes on. Phil Jackson said this was a different time. Uh, he said, basketball is a simple game. Your goal is penetration. Get the ball close to the basket. And there are three ways to do that. Pass, dribble, and offensive rebound. I mean, this has been important since time began uh, as far as basketball goes. Bill Russell said a rebounder or a shot blocker, for that matter, is always at a disadvantage if he tells himself the only way he can succeed is by out-jumping the guy next to him. Sometimes he will have to, but most of the time he will not. Most of my rebounds came from positioning, where I was able to get the ball while in heavy traffic. These things are all true, you know? It, 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 if, if you... Another thing Rodman said, the one thing I do that nobody else does is jump three or four times for one rebound. Uh, the Jazz just absolutely screwed up. And I thought after what happened against the Kings that that lesson would have been learned. And then I watched what happened against the Clippers, Jake. The Jazz had no business losing that game. When you give up two or three shots at the basket, you're going to lose. How many, how many rebounds— how badly did they get out-rebounded in that game? Were they down 17, 18 rebounds, something uh, like that? Offensive rebounds, Clippers had 18, the Jazz had 6. And how many total rebounds? 54 to 37. It, it just can't win like that. Yeah. I mean, that that's it. And now there are other things, too, as far as turnovers and mistakes and, and things like that. But both of these, I've never seen a time when one aspect of the game played such a huge role in the outcome of it. Uh, well, I couldn't agree with you more. The turnovers were also a problem again uh, against Sacramento Kings. But as far as the rebounding goes, Gordon, and that was the difference in the game. I mean, the Clippers uh, had 92 shot attempts. The Jazz had 78. I mean, you saw Montrez Harrell uh, get offensive rebound after offensive rebound. But I, I was worried about the rebounding going into this this season. And I, Royce O'Neal in the starting lineup, he's 6'4". I mean, he's just not a big guy. I mean, he plays bigger than he is, but he's just not a big dude. And Bogdanovich is not a, a natural rebounder. He's just not. I mean, I think there's some toughness and some stuff that that we, you know, didn't know we were going to see that we're seeing. But he's you, the, that 
that box out that he missed. I mean, these are these are finite details that obviously do not come naturally to him. Well, that, I mean, I don't, that he really has to figure think, out. I don't think that comes naturally to anyone. You, you've got to be able. I don't think it's a physical thing. I, if he had concentrated on staying with his man and boxing him out in that situation, there's no way that the Jazz lose that game. Yeah, but it's not a priority for him, obviously. Well, and, pri- and it's, it's different than coming natural. A priority is different. Well, however you want to look at it, he needs to rebound better. Right. I mean, that's a that's a fact. If yeah. he's going to play that role for this team, and and we thought that Rudy's rebound numbers would go through the roof, that has not that has not been the case for whatever reason. Now, last night, I, I felt bad for Rudy because he continually got drawn to another man, and then it was his guy who was getting the offensive rebound and yeah. the putback. And it it really, and this is a problem with the Jazz small lineup. I know you don't agree with me on this, but Mike Conley's responsibility was to block out Montrez Harrell on those on those plays. Well, I and agree he, and with he's, that. And he's not, and he didn't do it. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I didn't disagree with that. And Conley's, you know, maybe a, a different discussion for a different segment where we can d- dig into it a little bit more. But the point is, is the guys are missing assignments, and that's why those offensive rebounds are, are happening. And because they're not a giant team, that means they don't have a lot of room for error. You've got you've got to get a body on a guy. That's a fact. And this team has got to start making that a priority. Now, interestingly enough, through the first few games, Gordon, they their defensive rebounding percentage was really really good. But then it cost them the game against the Clippers. So and the Kings. And then you know you look at the the line. Derek Favors, good really good rebounder, but he didn't finish games last year. You know that was uh, that was Jay Crowder who finished games, and they didn't have these problems rebounding last year. So, how, how many rebounds did Rudy get in those in uh, in uh, last night? I don't have the Rudy stats had in fourteen front of uh, boards, two offensive rebounds, and I'll have to I'll have to look it up. But he's had a couple of games, two at least two, maybe three games where he's been in the single digits rebounding. It's it's but I, as I was watching that game last night, uh, and what you said is true about him being drawn away from the basket. But I thought the same thing I thought about Donovan Mitchell at the offensive end last year. He He's not getting enough help. I mean, you can't just count on Rudy to get every rebound. Didn't he have 19 rebounds the other day? I mean, you just can't count on him to do all that because he's, he does have responsibilities away from the basket sometimes. And so the other guys have to get back to the fundamentals. I think Bogdanovich can rebound. If he prioritizes it, uh, I, a lot of those. I don't know about Royce O'Neal. You think he's six four? He is six four. The the real actual measurements came out this year. I I still think that if you're six four, you can still block your man out. Well, if you believe Lure, my uh, Charles Barkley was only six four. Yeah, I yeah. I agree with you. But I mean, it's that's an uphill battle. Well, and uh, and but, Royce but isn't thing, exactly built like Sir Charles the, the, either. Yeah, the thing about yeah, but he's 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 big enough to. I mean, he's he's. Got enough of a presence on the floor to accomplish that thing, and I think all the jazz players do. Even it's hard for a guy. You brought up Mike Conley. If Mike Conley blocks out, it's hard for a guy to go over a guy, even if he's only six feet tall, because he's going to foul him. He's going to come over the back, and so this is something that Jazz can achieve. That that example, and I don't mean to pick on Bogdanovich because obviously he's contributed in other ways, been terrific. But that play against the Kings, he complete all he had to do was stay with his man, and he just turned around to watch. Yep, he turned around to watch the ball come off the rim, and his man scores. So I mean, 
This is something that the Jazz, this is just a fundamental thing they have to concentrate on. This is a very talented team, but they have to take care of this business. And that's why I read all these quotes, because these are from people who are essentially saying, hey, you got to be physical and you got to be fundamental. All right, one positive thing, and we'll get to Mike Conley a little bit later on in the show because I have lots of thoughts of what's going on with Mike Conley, and it's directly affecting everybody else on the on the floor. Um, but I will say this. Donovan Mitchell is carrying this team right now. He is playing out of his mind. Uh, I know there's the, the Conley struggles will take all the headlines, but Donovan is off to an incredible start. Give him incredible some incredible start this year. He needs some help, and I think he'll eventually get that help. But, man, when it comes to his game, do not get discouraged. And the fireworks that we saw in the fourth quarter last night were awesome from him. So but he is playing out of his mind. I, I agree with that. And uh, this, you know, I, I keep that in the back of my mind because of our incriminating audio. But Well, last night was a good night for you because he was terrific. Yeah. Terrific. I, I said he would average 26 or more points a game, and you said— You actually said that. he would average 28 yeah, points a game. Yeah, but then we downgraded it to 26. Because you got scared and— Maybe and, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's living up to what I thought we would see out of him. But uh, he needs he needs some help out there, folks. It's the same old thing. And how frustrated was Quinn Snyder after that game last night? Yeah. You could, he just kept saying every question he was asked about every other aspect of the game, he just said second chance points. Can't give up second and third chance points. And that's what did it. And when, when you look back, this Western Conference race is going to be so tight. When we look back at this season uh, and where the Jazz end up, Think about these two games, because I think this problem is going to be solved. Either that or Quinn is going to punch the wall. One or the other is going to happen. And maybe, I don't know, but uh, maybe both. But these two games were two games that were at the Kings game, absolutely. But I think last night's game fell into the same category. Games the Jazz could have, would have, and should have won if they had just done that one thing more. Want to remind you to purchase Ford FanZone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dog, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford FanZone all-you-can-eat tickets now. We'll have more coming up next. Don't forget Mannix, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Christian Cox at 4.30. Kristen Kenny at 5. And Tanner Mangum at 5.30. The no big, rebounds, no rings, folks. The Big Show rolls on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Utah wins this football game. This was as big a regular season win in the program's history, in my opinion. Never has there ever, ever, ever been a discussion after a win of, wow, if this and this happens, they could be playing for a national championship. Three gimmies the rest of the way, in my opinion. And if Oregon wins out, Utah-Oregon, Pac-12 title game. When you say the biggest regular season win in program's history, I think you can make an unbelievably great argument. They've never been to this high of a mark in the program's history. That is a typical game that in years past, the Utes actually cough up and lose. That's the difference for me on this University of Utah team this year. That's why I feel like it could be there for the Utes this time around because they are doing things that in the past they weren't able to do. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Jake, yeah. I, uh, I uh, talked, uh, I got unloaded about the rebounding thing. But you've got a really important point to make, and I, I think you should make it again and again because a great radio mind once said that radio is radio not linear. Radio is not linear. So I think you should say it now and say it again and again and again because it is so huge. So, so Gordon, it, it stems back to so this year on the on the pre half and post. I've got three different co hosts and they're rotating and they're all great. And it, actually, it's going to be really fun this year because they get different perspectives on varying nights, which actually has been really fascinating for me. But the they all have brought up uniquely uh, kind of similar points about what's going on with the Jazz and and Mike Conley not playing well is where all signs point of what's going on with this team. Explain it, it all centers around him. So. Uh, Tim Lacombe talked about it last night and of course former BYU coach so you know coming from a coach that Mike Conley is playing uncomfortable he's uncomfortable and that could be uncomfortable with his role it could be uncomfortable with he, he moved across the country Gordon he left his home of 12 years you never know what's going on you know kids are starting school like He's he's just uncomfortable right now, and he's playing like it. And Coach Chiesa talks about how you need to be not just a good teammate, but a, a good floor mate. And that means setting an extra screen or doing what you've got to do to get your teammate going. And and I think and then Ben Anderson to bring in our, my third co-host. He wrote last week about how Quinn Snyder is changing up the substitution patterns to get Mike Conley something he's a little more used to. And Quinn Snyder has this challenge for the first time, I think, since he's been here, where he's got a veteran guy coming in that he has to get going. It's Coach Snyder's job to get him going, and the Jazz are going nowhere unless he gets it going. Last night, that was so, so evident. Because of this changing up the rotations, Gordon, the Jazz had it going at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Then what happened? They took out Donovan Mitchell to give him a little bit of a breather, and then the Clippers caught fire, and the Jazz were never able to get it back because the offense right now, when Donovan Mitchell is not on the floor, is not just bad. It's awful. It is It is awful, and Donovan is propping up this offense almost single-handedly because he needs help. And that's predictable because when they took him out at that moment, I said, watch what happens now. And exactly what I thought was going to happen, happened. And other teams, opposing teams, know this too. They all know it. Absolutely. They 100% know it, the the way that it's going. And it was a disaster for the Jazz. And Donovan, by the way, Ben Anderson in a uh, in a post-game press conference, and this was a few games ago, asked Donovan about the different rotations and how he was feeling about it. And Donovan's answer was great. Going back to that floor mate thing, Donovan's like, whatever I got to do, whatever I got to do to get Mike going, that's what I'm going to do. And so right now the big puzzle on this Jazz team is getting Mike Conley going, getting him comfortable, and getting him able to hit those shots because this Jazz team is not going anywhere unless he does it. They have to do it. Quinn Snyder, this isn't you know developing a hungry young player, which he's so good at. This is massaging the situation with a veteran that needs to get comfortable, and this is a new challenge for him. The good news is is that Mike Conley seems to be an unbelievable teammate and keeps his chin up at all times, which I think is really important. And his teammates look like they're willing to, to sacrifice whatever they got to sacrifice. But the coaches have got to figure it out. they got to figure out how to get him going. 100%. Okay, and as an example of that, think about this for a second. Think about what the Jazz would be like right now 
if he were averaging 15 to 20 points a game. If Last he, year he averaged 21 points a game. Think about if he were even approaching that thus far this season. What a lift that would have given this team. It's not just his shooting, too. He's making some weird passes. Threw away an inbound pass. Almost threw away two last night. Um, having uh, just just some not cra- he's just not comfortable. He's not he you know Gordon when you throw a pass and you know where it's going and where the guy is and where he likes the ball. I mean that thing is that thing is zipping. That thing is crisp. When you're unsure, when you're uncomfortable, when you don't know. I mean that inbound pass thing. I can still see it in my head. It was a little lob that just didn't have enough enough uh, gas on it. I mean that was a real unsure pass. And then he threw one to Rudy Gobert with 1.2 seconds left. Yeah. They, and, I mean, in the corner. What's he going to do with that? And so this Mike Conley's a smart dude, and and he's obviously very experienced. And so this whole comfort thing is fascinating to me because it's physical and mental. It is. So what do you do? How do you get him? He's certainly capable. How do you get him comfortable? The truth is you just keep doing what they're doing and figure out what works with him and what and what doesn't. I mean, do you I, go to him if you're Quinn? Do you go to him and say, where do you want – how do you want to be played? Where do you want to be on the floor? How do you want to – do you want to handle the rock more? What do you want to do? See, now here's the ultimate question for Quinn. How do you handle this? This is so delicate. Do you do something like that and then take other guys out of stuff that they're used to doing? Do you do you just say, hey, Mike, you got to figure this out and fall in line? I mean, how do you handle something like this? And it's, it's one thing to tell a rookie or a second-year player what mm-hmm. to do and where to go. It's another with a player like Mike Conley. And the, what makes it extra tricky is because he is – is, is integral. This isn't like, well, Mike, you're not going to play until you figure it out. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they've done that to a guy like Dante Exum in the past where it's like, all right, Dante, work it out in practice, start showing us a couple things in the game, and maybe we'll get you back into the rotation. Mike Conley's way too important, way too important. They have to figure out a way. They can't just say, hey, we're going to play Moutier for a little while, and when you figure it out, let us know. It can't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible. So you- they have to solve this puzzle. And and I'm sure they will. I mean, they're very smart, capable people. But would, that's would think we're watching that out. process right now. Okay, so when he's on the floor and he's dribbling, and he's doing the very he's not even. Have you noticed how loose he is when he's dribbling the ball, and how often the ball gets knocked away from him? Bogdanovich he, has a little bit of that he, too. He loses control of the ball. That tells me that uh, that, that addresses this comfort thing. Yep, I, I, I think he's discombobulated a little bit. And when I watch him on the floor, when I watch him shoot, and when I watch him move on the floor, he looks uncertain. He's got to get comfortable. I'm telling you, those uh, our, our pre-half and post-game guys have it nailed. I mean, he didn't forget how to play basketball overnight. You make an argument, maybe age is catching up with him a little bit, but I don't, I don't think that's it. I don't necessarily think so either. Yeah. I think he averaged twenty-one points a game last season. What did he fall off a cliff during the offseason? He's got to. No, he moved to Utah. He's got to get comfortable with, with his aura. Has to be more comfortable. He has to play more confident. What color is a comfortable aura? I don't know. If we could blue, Google that. Green, yellow, gold. What maybe is it, uh, uh, let's let's ask Chris Mannix about this coming up next. We'll uh, we'll get to uh, to Chris, your NBA daily assist, Christian Cox at four thirty. Amber, Kristen uh, Kenny. Who sang that song? That's three eleven, and that is a wonderful song. <laughs> Stay tuned. Ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. This 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 is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you.
want. Ever since I get hit by that stingray, I don't like water sports. <laughs> you got hit by a stingray? Yeah. You get hit by everything. Okay, I know. You, you got to tell why you got hit by the stingray. Where did you get hit? Right on the hand. Right in yeah. the side of the hand, and it, it went in about an inch and a half. He almost got wow. crocodile hunted. Yeah. It was bad. I wanted to pet it. You wanted to pet it? You're kind of like Lenny from Mouse and Men, aren't you? No, no. <laughs> well, kind of with the a sea creatures. Bit. The thing is, they're so fast. They're unassuming. They look at you like, hey, I'm here to pet. He blended in with the bottom two, and I think he thought, oh, that dude doesn't see me. And then when I touch him, he's like, he does see me. <laughs> and, then, and then he hit me. Retaliated. <laughs> Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.